From Bregman MD, where we're all about psych solutions, I'm your host, Linda Corley, and this is The Breakdown with Dr. B. Some startling news this week about the condition of our children's mental health. Now that we're looking pretty much at the pandemic in the rearview mirror, we're, we're able to start assessing the effects the lockdown and restrictions had on our children. And I got to say, the news is not good. Reports are coming back that depression is up, anxiety is through the roof, and the CDC numbers show that even before the pandemic, teenagers who said they felt sad and hopeless is up 40%. The CDC reported that suicide was the second leading cause of death among people ages 10 to 34. Dr. B, I'm just astounded. I want to ask you first, in your 40 plus years of your career in psychiatry, have you ever seen such a large amount of depression in children? We look at what's going on by how many people in the hospital, remember we've been acculturated, how many people were dying in the hospital. And now with mental health and teenage depression and suicide, we're seeing an escalation. Emergency room visits by suicidal adolescents. Linda, I go to the emergency room to see a patient. The place looks like a psych ward. Joining Dr. Bregman and I are two well-respected licensed psychologists in Miami. I want to welcome back Dr. Joel Platter and his wife, Dr. Kathy Alsman. Thanks for joining us again. Glad to be here. Doctors, this problem was going on, meaning depression and suicide among the younger generation. This problem was actually going on before the pandemic, right? It was increasing dramatically before the pandemic. It's just exponentially exploded since then. What would you attribute this rise in suicide and depression? I imagine social media plays a role. It does, but I think that if we look for a one cause, we're missing the complexity. I think it can be social media. I think it can be sociality being down. I think it can be teens not being outside or getting any exercise. I think it can be the news. I think it can be teens and children don't get the same level of chores and opportunities to explore the world. So the sense of competency might one one might have is missing. I think there's parental opiate use. I could probably go on, but I, I think they're being hit from all sides. Kathy, well said. It's a multi-determined, multifaceted, all the things you know, that you enumerated. So Linda, you know, Kathy had it right on. You know, that this is a problem that has multi-determined factors. Okay, now then, speaking of hits, the pandemic hits. And it, it takes something that had been terrible and made it worse. Um, Dr. Joel Platter, what are you saying? I think that going back to the, the issue, I think there's the problem of the kids in the ER. But I also think that that... That was a developing problem in terms of the uh, ability to access appropriate inpatient treatment. 
And that goes back back a while. And now, obviously, it's much worse. Um, so there's so many systemic kind of branches that need to be addressed to fix this. If we're if we're really beginning to talk about, okay, well, yes, we have these problems, but what are we going to do about it? Obviously, is what I think where the attention needs to go. And the pandemic basically has made everything worse. These kids are not living in a happy world. They're, they're not experiencing happiness and excitement about life. Um, like maybe some of us did when we were growing up, uh, they're, they're not. Access to mental health has become more problematic, more demanded across the board. And with children where there were never enough teen and child th therapists, there's no place for those children to go. Before we get into how to help them, I mean, I'm gonna say something maybe a little controversial. I mean, here we locked down our kids. They were homeschooled by their parents, many of whom were not equipped to do that, impatient. Was it, in retrospect, a good idea to lock down our kids? Would have there been another solution to that so that they weren't kept isolated? I think the, the, the authorities took the measures that they felt were going to keep us the most safe, and we support that. Safety and staying alive and not sick is good. But it's it, again, it's a, it's it's a situation that required very difficult decision making. And uh, mm -hmm. are all the decisions perfect? Probably not. And I think we'll be sorting through the statistics in a research sense of what maybe worked and what didn't for decades. Yeah, this is true. And I suppose don't cry over spilled milk at this point. What can we do to help these kids now that we're in this situation? What are we going to do if I'm a mom and my Johnny, I'm, I'm worried about him. What signs am I looking for in what is depression and then what is suicidal? What should we tell parents to look out for? You know, parents need to be a lot more vigilant, you know, about their kids. What are they uh, listening to on TV, social media, what sites, what are their friends talking about? You have your friends over, their friends over, you talk to them. There needs to be a little more awareness with the parents who are so overwhelmed as well, unfortunately, uh, about what's going on with their kids. So that's kind of like what I think the first step. Now, one of the things you allude to because you're a parent is dysfunction. OK, anytime your kid has changed his sleeping, eating, concentration, friends, all kinds of things he does, you know, with people you know, that he doesn't do anymore. These are all signs that he's not the same. What's going on? And be able to talk to your kid, you know, listen to your kid. A lot of parents are so busy and dealing with so many things lately. It's been very difficult for them. You know, I would tack on to what you said and, and you know, look at things like energy, 
motivation, uh, their ability to complete tasks or even their willingness to, to do tasks, whether it's school or chores or um, hobbies, anything that uh, they were doing before. Um, and, and the other thing I would say is try to create a relationship with your kids where they want to talk to you. Because in a lot of these cases, parents don't have a close relationship with their kids. Their kids don't do a lot of talking to the parents or self-disclosure about what they're interested in, what they're happy about, a girl they like or a boy they like. And then all of a sudden, the kid's going to tell the parent that they're having mental health issues and they feel suicidal. I don't think so. So it's important to try to establish closeness with your kid before some of these problems come up so that they will come to you when they, they need to talk to somebody about what's going on. I also think it's critically important to realize you may only get one shot because again and again, I've seen the child isn't showing some of those changes. They're still participating in school. They're still doing this. And there is one conversation where they say, mom, I'm, I'm, I'm really struggling. I, I feel overwhelmed and it's not good at all. And it's not that mom or dad doesn't take it seriously but maybe they don't follow up. And again and again, I've been in the situation with what looks like a functional teen who's just on the brink of suicide and they have indicated it, but only that once. So let's say that, that the, your daughter says something that is a red flag and this is the, the only indication. What's my next step as the mom? Get professional help. Follow-up conversations, professional help. I once worked with a family where mom came in this uh, and read daughter's journals. Never let daughter know about it, but she got the daughter to me immediately. What about a child who doesn't want to go see a doctor? There is a problem there, but mom and dad cannot convince their child to go. What's some of the language they can use to convince them to, to seek help? Well, it, you know, it depends how serious the problem is. But if it's a child that is expressing suicidal ideation, it's the, the, they don't really have the choice about whether they need treatment or not. They, they, they need to get into treatment. And that's where something, you know, like what used to exist in an inpatient therapeutic community model is really very helpful for kids, but it's unfortunately, it's very rare today. And uh, that's a big part of the problem. There's, that's why kids are in the ER. There's also, um, it's a different question if the child is 12 as opposed to 16. If they've actually expressed suicidal ideation, yeah, you, you got to get them to something inpatient. If you're just trying to get them to a therapist, a 12-year-old, you may go in with family therapy. Um, a 16-year-old, that's you ask them to do one session and hope you can get a therapist that gets a buy-in from the team. The other thing I think that's really important is if a kid describes serious depression and or suicidal ideation, it's really important to take it seriously. 
and um, communicate to the kid that this is serious. This is not something that, oh, well, you know, he told me this, but maybe tomorrow he'll feel better or next week it will go away. I mean, maybe it will, but it needs to be taken seriously and the kid needs to be shown that the parents take it seriously. And if there's actual suicidal ideation, <coughs> I am seeing as a psychologist, as a family therapist, there must be a psychiatric consult too. I don't care if you don't want to medicate teens, you need to at least look at that possibility. Dr. Bregman, we're running out of time. Any last thoughts? One of the things that's helping now is to have the pediatricians have ancillary therapists in their office. I developed a little scheme when I was chief of psychiatry at Miami Children's years ago. And what we did was I gave five questions that every patient had to answer to see the pediatrician. And then from that, the pediatrician had something like the blood pressure and stuff. And then they would see the therapist in the office. And that's what we really need to have now. I think we can get that quickly. Joel, what do you think about that idea? I, I think that's a very good idea. And um, I just don't know if the, the manpower or person power is out there, so to speak. I mean, I, I think we need more therapists. Uh, or, or therapists in the doctor's office. Yes. 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 Right. Well, obviously, there's a problem and certainly a great need. I would love to invite Dr. Joel and Dr. Kathy back again because I feel 15 minutes is not nearly enough time to talk about something so serious. So, Dr. B and I would like to invite you back uh, in a few weeks and we'll pick up where we left off. Have a nice week. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. From Bregman, MD, you've been listening to the latest episode of The Breakdown with Dr. B. If you'd like more information or to speak to one of our top psychiatrists, just head to our website at BregmanMD.com to book a telepsychiatry visit from the comfort of your home. Hope you've enjoyed our latest podcast. Catch you next time.